0: Creating change through vibrating a different frequency is what I help my vegan global family do. And not only the vegans, there's activists of any kind. We have environmentalists, we have social rights activists, we have human rights activists, we have people that are all at once because how can you not?
1: You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. June Fuchs is a vegan life coach who helps people to heal and transform their lives. June is based in Bali, Indonesia and offers courses, retreats, and one-on-one coaching. June works towards guiding his clients to their vegan zone of brilliance. The vegan zone of brilliance is where one can shine with his or her talents, uniqueness and charisma, thus having a more positive impact. He's passionate about supporting vegan activists who are experiencing burnout or being greatly afflicted by their work. A couple of days after my conversation with June, vegan activist James Aspie released a YouTube video explaining why he had not been present over the past year. He not only experienced burnout, but was afflicted with physical pain that kept him from being his best self. James shares that he is now doing the inner work to heal his body. If you have not seen that video, please go check it out on YouTube. Just simply look up James Aspie. And this is sort of the work that June does in supporting vegans to self-care. Now, June also has a 360 Veganism Mastermind group that he is going to resume in 2023. It's called 360 Veganism Mastermind, and he offers as a 20% discount to all of my listeners. If you're interested in joining that mastermind, I'm going to include a link in the show notes. Stay tuned to learn how June can support your work as a vegan. Let's get started. And also, as always, the full bio and the links to each of my guests can be found on the website healthylifestylesolutions.org. Welcome, June.
0: Hey, Maya. Thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yes, and thank you for being available. Tell us where you're at and a little bit about yourself, because I know there's a significant time difference. It's 12 a.m. or well, now 12 p.m. for me. And it's 1 a.m. for you, I think.
0: That is correct. Yeah, I am based in Bali, Indonesia. We have in the middle of the night right now. So I was sleeping before this podcast just to get some good rest in. (laughs) Yeah, I live here in uh, Bali, Indonesia. And I do live here because I love tropical weather. I love surfing and I love to have access to the ocean. And everything else you basically just said in the introduction about me. So I'm super excited to get started and to answer some great questions and to reach the people that are listening to this. Hello, everyone.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. All right. So now something that you I mentioned in the bio that I'm very interested in is this whole idea of using mindfulness to kind of help elevate the vegan impact and also how you talked about doing the inner work. And that is absolutely so important. I talk about this a lot on the podcast that our willingness to do inner work in general can help not only improve our health, but improve the health of the planet. So Let's start with your story. Have you always been in Bali? How long have you been in Bali? But most importantly, how did you become vegan? And then I'm assuming that that work or becoming vegan then led you to doing the work that you're doing today.
0: Indeed, becoming vegan was an initial part of uh, my initiation into becoming a life coach. I'm not Balinese, I'm not originally from Indonesia. So I did grow up in Switzerland and I come from a background of studying graphic design, working nine to five. And there was also a time in my life where I actually worked at McDonald's. So there was a really big shift happening throughout my life journey, coming from McDonald's employee, working nine to five, studying graphic design and realizing that living in this society or in this construct, facing a screen over eight hours a day, being at one place. Most of the time in the day, it was not my thing. And I know it works for some people, but it didn't work for me. So I was always having an eye out on alternative ways of living. And in 2017, I discovered that veganism was a part of my truth and I started embodying that. And through this development And through making that choice, I also did realize that ethics mattered a lot to me and they didn't only matter with what I had on plate and what I would eat, but also they mattered a lot in how I would spend my time and who I would spend my time with. So I became more mindful around these topics and I've changed the social environment. I changed my friendship circles and... I did let go of some people in my life and I invited new people in my life. I did let go of some hobbies and I invited new activities into my life. And essentially fasting forward or forwarding faster in that movie of my life, I ended up making the choice to move out of my home country, Switzerland, and to leave behind a steady nine to five, a steady income and a society that would support me and I chose adventure and adventure for me was awaiting on the other side of the world in big ocean waves, learning how to surf in retreats, doing the inner emotional work, developing myself as a human, as a being. And Bali, Indonesia offered me more of that than Switzerland ever has for me. And that was one of the big shifts in my life that has led me to come to Bali. And also meeting people here that were, like us, finding alternative ways of living, making a living and thriving whilst doing so. So um, the communities here have also inspired me to embark on a journey and to eventually become a life coach, a guide and a mentor others.
1: Thank you. Question about Switzerland and the vegan movement. What is that like today? I don't know how long you've been gone. I think around 2017 is when you sort of woke up to this reality of the vegan world, that we don't need to consume animals to be healthy. But what did you find before you left Switzerland? Were there options? What's the movement like over there?
0: It was actually... Quite beautiful. So there were a lot of demonstrations happening. And also outside of the vegan activism scene, the supermarkets were, you know, providing more and more vegan options every single month, I could see in the shelves there was a new vegan cheese. There was actually probably one of the best vegan plant-based cheeses that has ever been created. A friend of mine made them. The company is called New Roots. And they made it into the supermarket shelves just shortly before I moved out of Switzerland and moved over to Bali. So the vegan movement, I would say it's thriving in Switzerland, actually. Yeah. On the other hand, Switzerland of course, is known as the country of cheese and milk chocolate. So there is a lot of work to do when it comes to educating the more countryside of Switzerland around we can live on a plant-based and vegan diet and be healthy and be happy and don't even have to let go of these traditions. There's a lot of tradition in Switzerland around animal-based food. So having these two parts in mind I look back on a country that is developing fast when it comes around or when it comes to plant based food and vegan food and the movement and the communities. Yet at the same time, a strong counterpole or a counter community. So Switzerland has this very proper image towards the outside world, very neutral, but living in it, I've experienced it as actually very, very political, like very strong. Political parties having opinions against each other's opinions. So there's these two strong counterparts. But as I said just before I left, and I left for good in 2019, I haven't been back in Switzerland since December 2019. And the movement that I've observed was thriving in my experience.
1: Well, that's encouraging to hear. And Bali's been calling me for so many years. And so one day I'll make it out there. So And you mentioned retreats and other things that happen in Bali. You feel like you're surrounded by more like-minded individuals who are on a path, on a journey towards health and wellness and just spirituality. So tell us about the work that you do. How did you get started? Who do you work with? Mindfulness, like I said, is very important to us as well.
0: How did I get started? That's a really beautiful story because when I came to Bali, I didn't immediately start coaching. And guiding people. I was so much on my own journey, discovering trauma work, discovering my emotional landscape and experiences I had in the past that just needed some more love and attention, inner child healing, for example. And I came here also because I was in a loving relationship with an Indonesian man for a, a time before I decided to move here for good. And shortly after I moved here, that relationship ended because it was just a very, very toxic environment. And that initiated a process where I opened myself up to visit different retreats and visit different like workshops and courses around breath work, around de-armoring work, around body work and mindset work. And so I didn't start immediately as a coach because how can you guide someone if you haven't allowed yourself to be guided? And how can you coach someone if you don't know the process of being coached yourself? So first of all, I needed to allow myself support and allow myself people in my life that would heal, guide, support, mentor, and coach me. And then at some point, there was an echo coming back. And that was the initiator for me. And the echo came through various people almost on a daily basis. And the echo said, or those people said, what do you do to consistently have such a positive or encouraging or loving energy around you? There is something about your energy that just strikes me and every time I see you, you seem to be okay and happy. And I ended up answering that question always the same. I said, well, because I've looked enough inwards to actually really be in love with who I am and be happy with who I am. And so that echo made me realize That there is something that I've developed and discovered for myself that I want to share with people. And I want to see people thrive and be okay with who they are and be happy, joyous and balanced the same way that I felt. And then I was looking for ways to give that a shape. So I started creating courses at some point. I started looking into guiding people, mentoring people, and eventually. Out of that echo, my life coaching business grew. And along the way, obviously, I've done some trainings and workshops, but the main aspect of it was my own life journey. That was the foundation of me building a life coaching business.
1: That's a beautiful story. The fact that you ended a significant relationship sort of freed you up to then continue to go within and to do work. I love that you talk about doing the inner child work, which I'm familiar with that I've done, I feel like we're never done (laughs) in a sense. I feel like I've been doing my work for many years. And something, another point that you touched on that is so important. And the way that I heard it once said by another coach that worked with me was that I'm going to use the word coach in this sense, because a lot of times I think that therapists are restricted. Psychiatrists are restricted by their licensing in terms of what kind of work that they can do. And, you know, a therapist may not necessarily or psychiatrist may not necessarily do the work for themselves. And I'm not trying to generalize. What I'm saying is that there is a distinction in terms of who you're working with. If you're working with an individual that's gone into those dark places, that's done the healing around trauma or has done the inner child work, they know how to guide you more profoundly to really get in there and release some of that pain that we have. And I'm recently reading Gabor Mate's, the latest book. I forgot the title of it already, but he's talking about living in a society that traumatized us and continues to traumatize us or trigger us. You're probably familiar with what I'm talking about.
0: Yes, very much. And I subscribe to all of it. People that, as I said before, that have dove,n diven, <laughs> dipped, <laughs> fell, crashed, been smacked by life and found their way through profound inner healing. Those are the people to look out for when we look for guides and mentors, in my opinion, as well.
1: Absolutely. If I also can add, you know, I felt that prior to meeting my husband that I had, I was really on this path of doing work. I was finally in a place in my life where I was very comfortable being single, very comfortable in terms of what I wanted in my life. So I also had the freedom, the space to work within me without distractions and And then life happens, you enter a new relationship, there are children, you relocate, all these things happen. And then like the reason I'm bringing it up is it happens to many of us, we get lost, we lose ourselves in work, in relationships or whatever it may be. And I find myself coming back to those tools that once worked for me, I'm coming back to self care, to taking care of myself to working with Things that are still traumatizing my anxiety, I'm addressing it again. And so that's part of what you do is that you help people come back to themselves. So I'd love for you to dive in and give us an example or talk more about your work.
0: Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for asking. The key word that comes up is transformation, right? And as a coach or a guide, I help initiate transformation and I guide people through that process. And You mentioned anxiety, for example. So anxiety is also something that I know very well. And I believe all of us do know very well, regardless if we're diagnosed with it or not. We know that it often sources in a feeling and it can become a disease through repetitive programming, let's say. And the transformation to create a different relationship with these feelings and emotions so that they tend to lose their power and the core energy of an emotion can be shaped in another energy or emotion. I often say emotion stands for energy in motion. And when we don't allow energy to be put in motion, we let it become stuck. And stuck energy can manifest as mental health issues, but it also can manifest as physical issues in our body, lower back pains, neck pains, etc. And what I get to do, what I am allowed to do with my clients, which I'm really grateful for, is I get to help them transform out of these states that they believe is a state of being, and I get them to transmute these energies into different energies. So I help them to get from anxious to confident and charismatic, or I help them to get from depressed to more joyous and balanced within. So I get to observe these processes, gift them with the tools and practices that are needed to transmute that energy. And I also help them integrate them because my work as a coach is not everlasting and it's everlasting. I'll explain that in a minute, but It's quite goal-oriented. So I'm helping people to heal to an extent that they have the empowered state of self-healing, right? And then from there, they can go to a next level. So a client of mine will not always be in a state of depression. And in gratitude, I can say that it works, right? That's why I am successful as a life coach. I know people that try that and it doesn't work for them. Then you'd rather, you know, look for another coach, But I help them shift out of these states. And once they're there, we can go to the next level. And that's why it's called life coaching, because I believe and I stand for that, that life is a transformation process and getting stuck, staying stuck, choosing to be stuck. That is something that we have to shift out of. I mean, come on, (laughs) like what else is life there for if it's not transformation? And yeah, I just named some examples from depression to empowered, from anxious to confident, charismatic. And there's a chart that I often work with, which I would also love to share with you. And the chart shows all the human emotions that have been researched. I believe it's been researched by a doctor called Hawkins. It's not the Hawkins that we all know of. It's another one. Yet he researched that there is a vibrational or a frequency to each emotions, and there is low-frequency emotions and more high-frequent emotions. And the high-frequent emotions are the ones that we love to experience more, and the low-frequent one are the ones that we don't really enjoy, such as sadness, such as anger, frustration, hatred, etc. And there are ways that I've learned both as a life coach In my certification program that I've walked through, plus my own life experience, to shift from these states into love, joy, compassion, happiness. And we use the body, we use the mind, we use a holistic way for that. And that's what I love most about my work is that since I'm the core and I'm the one who decides how to work with the clients, I'm also the one who decides to look at it from a holistic perspective. And to look at it from, okay, the body, the way you nourish it, the way you eat, drink, the way you spend your days, the thoughts you allow every day. And yeah, I'm trying to sum up the word holistic, but just keep it at the word holistic. I believe everybody understands that. And... um did I answer the question? I think oh, it is. Yes.
1: <laughs> I, I love what I'm hearing. This is all, you know, what I'm familiar with and what I believe in. I currently have two life coaches that I'm working with. And really, I say this a lot on my podcast, but the pandemic woke me up to the work that I still need to continue to do. And it's interesting because I thought, like I said, that I had been on a, you know, I've been on a path. I thought I had resolved many of my issues and nope. The pandemic just said, I'm still here. Some of my issues are still here. And I've been doing work since 2020 or 2021 with a couple of coaches. And I'm just going to continue to do that work because I was that person. And you probably know this, June, that person that didn't want to feel anything that wanted to just push all the emotions down and not address trauma that sometimes feels like can destroy us as we're working, doing the work. And so I appreciate what you're saying. Absolutely. And I'm familiar with, I think it's David Hawkins, the Power Versus Force book on emotions. And so I am familiar. And now that I'm doing the work and I go off of what I'm taught, when I am noticing that I'm feeling angry or upset or whatever it may be, I now just say to myself, hmm, I'm feeling this, I wonder what is happening. And I allow myself to be with it, I no longer drink. And I know that that's another thing that you support your clients with. In other words, all the other things that we do to numb ourselves from feeling what is there, but we don't want to feel so I think that you've explained it nicely. I don't know if you want to talk about addiction. But I will tell you that I have another question for you, since I know that you support vegans. I was wondering if you can tell us, how you support individuals who make that transition from waking up to understanding animal cruelty. That's the hidden truth. It's hidden from all of us who once consumed animals, no matter what was on your plate, it was hidden from us. We wake up to this reality that we at one point contributed to that. How do you work with people who experience that cognitive dissonance That and the psychological trauma of it? That's one part. And how do you support people as they continue to, you know, be part of a family that contribute family members and friends who are still consuming animals? How do you support them in that?
0: So, yeah, you said it really nicely that when you have this awakening moment, which we when we go vegan or when we turn vegan, especially through learning about the animal abuse and disagreeing with that on a core value level. It comes with this massive challenge of still being surrounded by a world that supports it. And there is a lot of frustration, anger, and sadness that needs to be addressed and have a conversation with. I always talk about having a conversation with your emotions. You also set a really nice example. When you feel something, you ask, okay, you're here. I notice you. So what do you want to show me? Or how much space do you need right now? And then have an interaction with that emotion. So I'm basically helping our worldwide vegan community learn how to do that, simply because we choose to embody these core values of love and compassion, and we choose to not actively, to our extent of wisdom, harm animals anymore through our consumption, what we eat, what we drink, what we buy. It doesn't mean that we are excluded from feeling happy in this world. I know from my own life story that happened to me. I went a really hardcore vegan active mode. I was engaged in a lot of demonstrations. I was on the streets on the weekends next to my full-time work back then. And I was just handing out leaflets, having discussions all the time with friends, family. And I did burn out because back then I wasn't aware of my own emotional landscape and i wasn't aware that i was creating trauma by being exposed to these heated discussions all the time and not giving myself enough love and self-care during it so what i help people do that realize This new part of their truth is I help them the same thing as I help anybody else actually create a new relationship with the emotions, make space for trauma experiences to be processed. And I teach them tools, self help tools that not only help them become more happy on the inside, become more balanced and vibrate a bit more joy into the world, but also they set them up with a certain tranquility that supports Their work as activists so they become more charismatic and they are being perceived as more humble and loving which allows other people to open up faster to the new idea of becoming vegan right versus the idea of becoming an extreme angry activist so creating change through vibrating a different frequency is what i help my vegan global family do and not only the vegans, there's activists of any kind that find their way to me. So we have environmentalists, we have social rights activists, we have human rights activists, we have people that are all at once, because how can you not, you know, <laughs> if you wanna bring positivity into the world, you automatically become a change maker on so many levels.
1: This is great information. Awesome. I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone who does work like you do in terms of supporting vegans in their activism and then continuing to take care of their mental health while they're fighting for justice in a sense. Now, when I was younger, like in my 20s, when I, you know, highly influenced by everything in college, I wanted to be an activist. I just I don't know what kind I just really women's right was big for me. But I wanted to be an activist way before I became vegan. And what pulled me away from being active was the negative energy, because I already had enough trauma in my life. (laughs) Like I already had enough (laughs) negativity that I grew up with. I didn't want to feel more of that negativity. And so that is one reason why I've shied away from being a certain type of activist. But what you just said really appeals to me in the sense that you're changing the vibration that you're functioning at, the energy that you're sending out when you're outreaching and you're changing the approach, the conversation. And I too was very, you learn the information, you just wanna share it with everyone. And I felt like I was too aggressive early on and might have pushed away people close to me. And ever since then, I became vegan in 2016. Ever since then, I have not been able to convert those people as a result because I was too aggressive. And I also find that people become uncomfortable around us. They begin to question, is it okay? Can you eat with us at this restaurant? Are you okay if I eat my meat in front of you? And I may be comfortable. Like for me, what I'm doing now, my focus is in how I interact with other people. That's become priority to me that I treat people with respect. But the roles are changing. And I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about what you think might be happening which is people are becoming uncomfortable around us. And I say myself and my husband. And I'm finding that I'm trying to comfort them because they're experiencing discomfort. Maybe it's an internal intuitive thing that they know that maybe eating animals is not the right thing. What do you think is going on?
0: There's definitely that voice. Like that's what I observe. And also, having these humble conversations with pre-vegans or not yet vegans, as I sometimes love to call them, you know, everybody's on their journey and it's just a matter of time and what they need in order to get there. And so there's definitely a voice of guilt in it because as the vegan community and the like the vegan mindset is awakening in a lot of people, which I believe is quite unstoppable. It's happening all around the world. And it's just a matter of time for people to, I was tempted to say to hop on the train, but it's not a train. It's not about that. It's just really about awakening core values. So it's just a matter of time for people to do so. And I think that is certainly one of the voices in their minds. There could also be another voice in their mind that, is a little bit of a people-pleaser voice. And I know we also, at like I'm a recovering people-pleaser. You're familiar with that as well. I see you head nodding. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Trying to please people over our own needs, wishes, and desires. And so I think that there is a voice of the people-pleaser in people's minds as well when they try to comfort us and through that start feeling uncomfortable in these situations. And that is just another reminder of practicing truth, right? So in every kind of relationship, regardless if it is between a vegan and another vegan or a vegan and a pre-vegan, the relationship Speaking the truth and being open and vulnerable around how we feel towards one another, simply by speaking that truth, it usually loses its power. Like guilt loses its power when you speak, hey, I feel a little bit guilty. And then, okay, it's out there. People have perceived it. There is space for it. Okay. Can we let it go a little bit more? We can. Okay, cool. So speaking when these feelings happen could really help discharge this energetic charge that you experience when somebody feels discomfort. So a question that could be asked in such a situation could, for example, be, hey, I kind of feel that there's a discomfort in the space. Does anybody feel that too? Or I kind of feel that because we eat different things right now, there might be some sort of guilt in the space. Like for me, I'm experiencing some sort of that. Is that, does anybody relate? Right. And that's a level of communication that can discharge these situations quite fast.
1: Well, this is a perfect timing in terms of what we're having a conversation about. I'm scheduled to speak with my life coach, I think, tomorrow. And I was going to run this scenario by her, but I'll share it because Thanksgiving and other holidays are coming up and people like myself will be surrounded with. I love how you said it. (laughs) Pre-vegans. This is wonderful. I love the psychology and how you choose the words carefully. I just came back from a trip and it was a group of eight of us and we rented a house. And I actually said to my husband, did you tell them ahead of time that we're vegan? Because I'm the person that likes to address the elephant in the room. I don't like the awkwardness of it all. I wanted to prepare people. I just felt the need to bring it up once we were together. What I said was to one particular person who was interested in what I had to say is that I have seen my husband's patients suffer as a result of dietary choices that they have made. And I'm willing and I, my passion is to work with people who are willing to make a change. So I'm not in the business of trying to convince anyone. But if you're ready, I'm here to support you. But what could I have said, June? How could I have planted a seed so that they could kind of continue to think about why we have made this choice?
0: Well, I find the sentence that you just said is quite powerful. And here's why. I'm a big fan of speaking into somebody's future or next level self to start calling that in already. And they might not realize that in their conscious mind when their future self is being called in. But that does leave a seed and it doesn't leave a seed in their past. It actually leaves a seed in their future. I'm not sure how familiar you are with manifestation work and meditation work. I bet you are. And I bet a lot of listeners are into that as well. Right. Thumbs up. Yeah. (laughs) So when we do manifestation work on ourselves, right, we very often focus on a vision, That takes place in the timeline that we're in, the 3D or the physical timeline in our near or further future. So we're manifesting something in, we're calling something in closer to us through, let's say, a meditation practice or a journaling practice or a manifestation practice of any kind, really. And we can apply that in our conversations as well. So I think you did a really smart move there. And very often it is a bit underestimated because we're not sure if we should have talked about, you know, their now and their past. But when we talk about, or when we speak into their next step or their next level, we start calling that in already. And that leaves the seed in the realm of manifesting you can call it in the fifth dimension, even if you practice to adjust your brain waves and tune into the field or into the fifth dimension, the quantum field, as quantum physicians um, speak about it. And I think that's a really cool move to do. Now, wording these things is a very beautiful gift and a very beautiful practice that we can use as activists and advocates. So you're sitting there as the embodiment and proof that, like, It does you good. It does your mind good. It does your body good. And your husband is there too. So something that I do love to say is I love to start my sentences with in my experience or in my observation, I've been feeling much greater. I've been feeling much more energized. The people around me that I get to meet through living this vegan embodiment, they feel very vibrant. They feel very alive. And that's just my observation. But I see people getting healthier than ever before through that. So I speak about my story. And that's actually also something I wrote in my ebook about. I wrote about your story is your superpower. But your experience cannot be denied unless the other person is so in their own world that they don't listen to what you have to say. And then you let them do that, you know, until they don't. But your story is your superpower. So if you bring that in, and sometimes your story doesn't even need words. I'm cheeky. I have a charismatic presence. So sometimes when people ask me, and how do you feel? I'm like, look at me. (laughs) How do I feel? (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Right? Right. One more thing, Paul Waslawick was a communication expert. And he said this one sentence that I always bring into every piece of content or often into my coachings, you cannot communicate like you being communicates. So overthinking about what could have been said or not is sometimes not even needed because simply you being there communicates. And I bet you not, they were talking about you and your husband after that dinner. They were like, well, that was maybe weird. That was awkward, but they look really good. Like they look really healthy. I bet that was happening for some of them.
1: I know it was happening because one person came up to me and told me, (laughs) And so and I'm so glad we're having this conversation. And I think I want to continue to speak with you after this recording, of course, because I have two life coaches, but you're talking about you come from an ethical and a health you're a vegan for all the reasons. And so not every coach has that perspective and understanding of what it's like to be in the middle of a group and feeling like you just want to go hide under a rock. And that's how sort of a little bit how I was feeling like not defensive, but almost like I'm the one in the wrong. Like I'm the one that's putting it, making everyone else feel embarrassed, ashamed, discomfort or uncomfortable. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I know a lot of people are in that situation. Once they make these changes, even if it's not just about it doesn't have to be about food. If I change how, you know, my religion or how I exercise or something, the people in my circle are going to feel uncomfortable. There's this unspoken thing about they begin to feel, well, should I do the same thing? Should I go on this path on this journey? If I decide to be a Buddhist, some people are going to question their relationship with me, I think. But of course, it's important for me to always say that I'm an ethical vegan first. And one individual in the house did ask me that, but she said, are you vegan for the social part of it? I think she just probably didn't understand. I didn't know what that meant, but I said, I'm an ethical vegan. I'm vegan for the animals. Other individual that came up to me did tell me that they had, Riz and I went a couple of times for bike rides around the island. And so they had time to talk amongst themselves. (laughs) And so This person said to me, you know, the guys and I were just talking about Riz, we just can't believe he's vegan because when we were in college, he was the biggest meat eater of all of us. He always had to have steak. He always had to have burgers or whatever it may be. And so I'm like, wow, okay, I didn't know this about my husband. I didn't know he was that much of a meat eater. And then I said, so that I came from it from the health perspective about heart disease and what we know. And I said, did you know, as a matter of fact, I was the one that introduced him to this lifestyle because I've been interested in health for many, many years. And I was into, you said earlier, June, the word holistic. I was very much into other ways of healing our lives, including energy work, inner work, childhood trauma, all of that. And the food was the last thing that I knew could impact our health. And that's kind of how I shared it with him. And then I kind of said that we become so passionate that, of course, we have to share this information with our patients. And of course, we created a support group in Dallas for anyone who's interested in healing their lives or preventing disease. So I'm talking about it from a point of health because that's how he was speaking about health. And I even said, you must be doing something right. You look great. I didn't want to shame him. And then I could tell the body changed a little bit and he became more open and he's also in the medical field. So, but yes, ever since then, June, I've had my mind. It's been going with all sorts of ways that I could have approached this. And I think what I'm hearing you say is, you help us through this, you help coach us so that we become more and more comfortable having these conversations. Is that right?
0: That is indeed right. And the beauty of that is through that process of having better conversations like that, that feel more nourishing and can grow into a certain fruition in somebody else's mind, like we become so empowered. You said it before, the benefits that you feel, Maya, from making this choice and observing the impact that it actually has it is just the most beautiful feeling around the heart and seeing other people being inspired through these choices, observing, learning. I just need to rephrase you again. You said to that person on the table, whenever you're ready, I'm here to support you. Like that is such a beautiful thing to gift somebody with. Hey, I'm ready for you when you are. You decide, you know, You decide when you want to be ready, when you feel ready, when you choose to be ready.
1: Oh, I love that. What powerful words. I love how you're helping me see a better perspective. But I think that you've already helped me to see how maybe I did plant the seed. And I can't do it in a large group setting because it's almost like I can be bombarded by people debunking what I'm saying. But when someone approaches me like I was approached a couple of times individually, then we can have a gentle conversation without judgment, without shaming.
0: Exactly. And amen to that, without judgment and without shaming.
1: Yeah. June, please tell my listeners more about you. You have an award-winning mini ebook. You have a YouTube channel and you also have a podcast.
0: Indeed. I'm active on the Worldwide webses s- 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 <laughs> <laughs> in many corners. So yeah, I gave birth to a mini ebook that is called Elevated Vegan Activism, Seven Ways to Create More Impact. And to give a perspective to that, the first chapter is called Self-Care First. So it's first and foremost focusing on personal development as a vehicle to create more impact and to elevate the vegan impact that you can have in the world but it can be applied to any kind of impact that a change maker would want to have as you said so nicely when you were younger your dream was to be an activist for women's rights and i was actually having a conversation just today and somebody asked why be a change maker like why is that important and i said well because at your heart you are you are already seeking to see positive change in the world it's just a question of awakening that voice and letting it translate into action. So the mini book is an initiative to give people some perspective, to give activists, especially vegan activists, some perspective on how to, first of all, stay in the game as an activist for long-term, because I see many of us drop their power, fall into depression and burnouts again. I see many of us do that, and I did too in the past. It's a part of my own story as well that I turned my back On activism and I had to properly learn self-care and take care of my mental health before I had any conversations again that could be or become heated. So that book came out of this vision of just supporting the vegan activism community like that. And the YouTube channel and the podcast, these are all just ways to bring this voice of mine and bring this idea of how mindfulness can support us Instead of being a, like, I know in the activism community, mindfulness and spirituality are often a bit stamped as a religious thing, which I think is a misinterpretation and a interpretation that can lead to lack of impact. So... The content on my YouTube channel, the content on my podcast, I get to inspire, same like you, inspire interview, same like you, really inspiring people that are working as activists, that are helping create organizations, that are health coaches, fitness coaches. So I speak to um, the same tribe in the podcast to have their voice amplified and heard by many more. And, um, yeah, so it's basically all of these are, platforms to share what I feel like needs to be shared through me, through my voice and through my story.
1: Thank you so much. And I'm going to make sure that I add the links to the show notes. And I also want to add that you never know who, you know, which individuals that are plant-based for their health have a yearning to get involved as an activist. And so, you know, maybe even through this podcast, through us having this conversation, there might be some listeners who already on board for their health and know about the cruelty behind the animal agriculture business. And maybe they are interested in getting active. But again, there's that other support that we need, which you offer, which is how do we do this in a way where we raise our energy so that our voice can be heard? And also, how do we take care of ourselves so that we don't burn out, so that we don't become traumatized by the content that we may see during that activism?
0: Yeah, that's one of the biggest challenges, right? being exposed to everything that you are speaking up for to not happen anymore. That's Mm -hmm. very traumatizing and re-traumatizing. And you mentioned it all the way in the beginning of our talk, the vegan zone of brilliance. And sometimes we don't realize that somebody else is awakening a new part of their zone of brilliance. And the zone of brilliance for me is where somebody shines most with their talent, their uniqueness, their charisma and through that has more positive impact. So a beautiful thing that I see my clients and also my followers, people that just read my content or listen to podcast episodes like this one here, what I observe happening for them, with them, is that they realize another way to create impact that is even more aligned with them, that doesn't drain them, but actually energizes them. And so some people come from street outreach, and then all of a sudden, they go online. I've had a client from Australia that was in politics in a um, vegan party, and she was trying to get elected for a chair, and that didn't happen back then. And now she shifted towards building her own business, which is a social media management business for vegan individuals and Vegan businesses, and she realized that that like that's in her zone of brilliance. I see how she thrives through that. I was gifted to work with her for three months, and do inner alignment work with her, really listening to the heart, to the pureness of it. And now she's using that kind of vehicle to create vegan impact in the world. And so, bringing your own uniqueness to the table is what I advocate for in our own activism communities, because yes, activism, it's not always fun. It really isn't. It's hard work. It's really challenging work. Yet we can have more impact when we find the challenge with a sense of joy and engagement in this way that we do. And it fuels us in a way And I always say when your cup is full and it overflows, the inspiration that you spread around your circles, around your people is immeasurable. So why not find a zone of brilliance, include your talents, your uniqueness, your charisma, your interest in the way that you advocate. Like I have an education in graphic design. So at some point I started supporting vegan businesses with my design skills and with my branding work. And that's another way to help them elevate their impact, which elevates the vegan impact in their circles, right? So that just to explain the term vegan zone of brilliance, and if street outreach is not your thing, and it drains you, or if posting consistently online footage of slaughterhouses just re-traumatizes you all the time, don't do it. Don't do it. Find something else. Well, thank you
1: for saying that, because I I'm an empath and I consider myself a highly sensitive person and I am very heavily affected by the graphic things that we've seen. And I've seen the movies that are recommended, the documentaries that are recommended initially. I watch them because I want to. Anything that I recommend, I need to see first. And so even what I read, so I want to be able to recommend something that I've read. And so all of that content for me can sometimes be difficult because once I see something, I can't erase it from my mind. So I've often said, like, how can I continue to help make a change without having to sit through some of those documentaries? Now, June, how do you work with people? If any of my listeners are interested in working with you, is it one on one? Do you have group work? And do you have a Facebook group or any other way that your clients come together?
0: All of that. (laughs) All of that. Yay! (laughs) So obviously, I do have a free Facebook community and I send out a newsletter so everybody who wants my ebook, it's free. And once you receive it, you also access my uh, weekly newsletter. Sometimes it's multiple times a week. Sometimes it's once a week, really depending on what exciting things are going on. And those are two free things. I also have a free workshop online that's available on my website. It's called The Confident and Charismatic Change Maker workshop, I will make sure you have the link to put that into the show notes. And yeah, you also mentioned it before, the YouTube channel and the podcast are other free resources. If somebody wants to take the step and to work with me, I have different levels of that. So the first level is for activists, advocates, vegans and change makers that want to elevate their mental health and grow more emotional resilience so that they can become capable of consistently creating impact. And outside of that, just be happier, healthier, and more balanced within. I do have a course that is called Mental Health Mastery, and it's available anytime somebody wants to enroll. It comes for 249 US dollars, and with six modules, Teaching Mindfulness Foundation Practice and Advanced Practices such as meditation, breath work, mindful movement, ecstatic dance. It's a lot of fun to do the course. Yeah, it's really a lot of fun. And then the next layer is if somebody already has embarked a little bit on their mental health work and wants to dive deeper into inner alignment work, I offer a group program, which at this moment, at the time, is called 360 Degree Veganism because it's integrating all the aspects of compassion and learning compassion for yourself as well, learning inner healing, childhood healing, trauma work. And that is a mastermind that I run multiple times a year. I invite a small group of vegans into it multiple times a year, and that comes with live group calls. It comes with access to different courses that I've created, including the one I mentioned before, And then there's another course that also is a part of the components of that mastermind, which is called Conscious Relating. And it's all about boundaries, intentions, and clarifying your yeses and nos in every kind of relationship you have. That can be friendship. It can be in a conversation about activism. It can be in your marriage. It can be in your lovership and partnership. So that's the next level. And then if somebody really wants to dig deep 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 into their individual work i offer one-on-one coaching yet i have limited spots so sometimes there's a moment where you end up on a wait list if you want to be coached one-on-one and sometimes you um, get access immediately depending on how many clients i have
1: wow this is awesome an online course one-on-one coaching, a mastermind sort of group. That's a lot of great stuff that you offer. This is wonderful. Well, I'm going to make sure that I put all the links. I think it's just the one link to the different levels, right? Your website? Indeed. Okay.
0: It's really fun because just today I created something that helps you to land on the exact right page. And I called it a virtual journey for vegans so it's a segment on my website where you get to read a short text and then you get to answer a question with yes or no and then it leads you exactly to where you need to be so i will send you that link and it's quite playful it's really beautiful playful and everybody who's interested can just start that virtual journey it takes maybe five to 15 minutes to read through all of it it's not that much but it's a fun and playful way i came up with to help you get where. You need to be and help you choose the resources and offers that are right for you.
1: That is perfect because I was wondering which of these levels I would want, you know, like depending on the work that I've done. So I'm going to go to your site and do the same thing. I'm going to see, answer the questions and see where I would fit. So June, do you have a final message for my listeners?
0: I'm going to quote someone with the final message. And the person that I'm quoting, his name is RuPaul. He is a drag queen or the queen of drag. He's the person that has been growing the queer community, which is also a community I sign myself up to, or I belong to as a queer man. And he always says at the end of an episode, any kind of episode, he created a lot of TV shows. He says, if you can't, love yourself. How the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an <laughs> amen to that? And then everybody says amen. So that's the final word.
1: Thank you. I love RuPaul. What an amazing oh God, human right? being. Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. You know, I want to say once again, I appreciate you waking up to be available at 1 a.m bali time so that we can have this conversation and thank you again for your offerings and what you're doing for the vegan community this is incredible i don't know anyone else that is supporting vegans in mental health and in their activism and in becoming the best versions of themselves the way that you are so thank you again june
0: thank you as well maya so much love and appreciation for this for your time for the work you put into this as well, because this is probably one of the most professional podcasts I've ever been on. So thank you for making it so available for people out there to hear what we have to say. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Let's recap my conversation with June. June Fuchs is a life coach based in Bali, Indonesia. He became a vegan in twenty seventeen and realized that ethics mattered a lot to him, not just with what he ate, but also with how he spent his time and with whom he spent his time. He ultimately changed his social environment, friendship circles, and hobbies, and in twenty nineteen he left Switzerland and moved to Bali to pursue a more adventurous lifestyle. June's work is centered around helping others initiate and go through a transformation. June provides the tools and the practices needed to transmute negative energies into positive ones and helps integrate those practices into his clients' lives. Here are some of the points that he talked about. Emotions are energy in motion. We must first become aware of our emotions to allow energy to flow. When we don't allow energy to flow, it can become stuck and manifest as mental or physical health issues. Once we become aware of our emotions, we can begin to release them. Releasing those emotions can then transmute them into positive ones. Breathwork, journaling, and meditation are helpful tools for releasing stuck emotions. The goal is to help the client reach a state of self-healing where they can move on to the next level. Some of the tools and practices that a life coach may help to shift a client's energy include focusing on positive affirmations and visualization, breathing exercises to promote relaxation guided meditation or relaxation, yoga and other forms of exercises. And using these techniques, a life coach can help a client move from a state of stuck energy to one of healing and balance. And as you can hear, June is wonderful at doing this kind of work. And I was able to share so many concerns that I myself have had recently. I hope that you found this conversation to be useful. And I'm going to add all the links for June in the show notes. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please send me an email. It's plantbasedmaya at gmail.com. And as always, my friends, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.